With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hi, boys. Hi. There's a lot to talk about this week. There's um, injuries, infighting, and that's just us three. There's there's the Wolves game. There's... Uh, social media there's an awful lot to talk about um how are you dave i'm good um uh i'm on gardening leave lads it is the best thing ever i'm getting paid not to be in work it's a wonderful situation cool that's basically the last 20 years of my life but yeah good um (laughs) (laughs) start a new job in april so it's good so obviously you've been in the house for a year anyway, mm. but Jasper's at nursery, right? Mm-hmm. Molly's working, I presume. Yeah. So, so what are your days like at the moment, Dave? Uh, start the morning, do a little bit of exercise, then do the jobs around the house that Holly wants me to do, and in the afternoons, a lot of football manager. Like a lot of football manager. Cool. Are you? Are you a? See, I associate football manager with. I I don't play football manager without watching TV. Mm. I will always have the TV on while I'm playing it. Do you watch TV while you're playing? No, radio's on or a podcast. Because if I put the telly on, I'll end up getting. I'll end up watching the the TV and not put paying enough attention to football manager. And I end up losing games, and I don't like that. So, no, focus. And um, you do you do a lot of you? I bet you do loads and loads on like the training. Yeah, I don't even you, touch then, the training. <laughs> you got to do that, otherwise the players don't get better. And if the, if you buy like a wonder kid from Brazil and you don't put the training in, it's a waste of money. I just do whatever the assistant manager or the coaches tell me to do. But do you change? Do you change your your staff? 
I do do that. But what I'm saying is I have on a number of occasions become essentially the best manager of all time. And I hardly do any of the stuff that people like you do on Football Manager. So I just want to say that maybe you don't need to do all that stuff. No, you maybe don't. that's why Steve Bruce has had such a long and successful career. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we will get on to that later, but it is pertinent. It sounds like he doesn't do chuffle on the training ground. But anyway, let's talk about maybe, the game. Maybe, maybe. Well, he doesn't. He, he definitely does some stuff on this training ground, some of which we've heard about <laughs> this week, which will be fun, which will be fun. But let's yeah. let's stick with the the long-loved and uh, traditional format of the show and talk about our most recent game. Uh, mm. That was against Wolves. Paul, uh, what are your thoughts on that game? I thought it was another decent-ish performance from us. I feel like we deserve to win it. We certainly had the better chances. I think if Wilson starts that game and is fit for it, we win it by two or three goals. We were that dominant. But it's a draw's not a bad result against Wolves. I think Fulham and West Brom, if they'd had that game, would probably have expected about the same. But the injuries are the thing that killed us, really. Mm. That's definitely the most negative takeaway from it, isn't it? I mean... It's, we're certainly at a stage of the season and in a situation where we could really do with picking up three points. And in the context of the season and where we are as a football club, one point at home to Wolves isn't terrible. Certainly in a game where we certainly haven't uh, cheated our way to that result. It was a relatively good performance, certainly for I would say the first two thirds of the game, but uh, Dave, the injuries—that's just a massive dampener, isn't it? That's what led us all to come away from that pretty depressed. Am I right, Dave? Well, yeah, because I mean, we were talking uh, recent, fairly recently. Well, it was after the, the game that Wilson got injured that actually we didn't need to worry too much about losing Wilson because we've got goals in the rest of the side, like in Almiron and St Maximum. And also they are they have been our best like relievers of pressure or creators of opportunities. And, and to lose them both in the same game and both for, what, like four to six weeks each, it's... It is worrying, like really worrying. I think beforehand I was like 30% chance that we'd go down. Now I'm I'm higher just simply because we've lost our best striker, our two best attacking midfielders. It's it is concerning. Especially when yeah, like there's no way like, we'll do we'll do uh relegation percentages in a moment, but there's no way that losing St. Maximum and Almiron doesn't make it more likely that we'll go down. Yeah, um, and the thing Almiron, that worried me though is that Almiron got injured in the first half, but played the rest of that first half. Um, it was only like I think like eight minutes or something like that. But um, that that worries me because it's the the sensible thing to do when you got a player who's so important to your team is is is, is protect him. And if he gets like any kind of soft tissue injury. Get them off the pitch. It's just, it's not worth, like, even if you were to lose that game, but he's fit and raring to go soon, then to just get him off the pitch as soon as possible. Like, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me 
like like going by the football manager the minute somebody gets happens, a knock get them off I think that happens all the time at all clubs and in those situations they the staff generally you just have to go off the player if the player says they can stay on then there's nothing you can do about it. that is generally mm. the way it goes you see them through your half time unless they tell you they need to be subbed off I suppose, but I still think that the, I don't know, like I would bubble wrap a player like that and just yeah, drag him off the pitch. of Pepe's Cissé under Pardew, where he would admit he was bringing him back not quite 100% and gambling on his fitness because he's so important. It feels like we're sort of near that point again in terms of managing fitness. But then I think the amount of injuries we're getting... It sort of seems at first like an anomaly, but across the board in the league, like there's plenty of clubs who've got probably their worst injury crisis in recent years. It's just one of those seasons because of COVID and the amount of games. It definitely is. The amount of games, the weird, there's, a, there's such a um, regimented pattern to a footballer's year and that's been completely blown out of the water this season. And we do also have a situation where I think most people would agree our best player, are certainly our most threatening attacking player, Alan Maximan. The more I think about it, even before COVID, I, I, I just feel like he's going to get a lot of injuries. He certainly has done for the whole time he's been with us. And I don't see that changing. I see that getting worse. And I don't want to be negative or on him but I do sometimes look at that big long deal that we've given him and think of players like Kieran Dyer and wonder whether in three years time we'll still have this player who we sometimes wonder whether he might come back for a couple of games on yeah. massive wages I think it, it kind of says a lot about where we are as a club like if you're a player with his talent the way you the only reason you end up at Newcastle it's because you're injury prone. Otherwise, you end up at a better club. He's on his day. Or you've got a little bit problem, of a reputation yeah. for being difficult, which I, I yeah. don't know if that's, if that's fair at all. I don't feel like I've seen any real evidence of it. But but then the way that he plays, um, like quick ter- quick changes of direction, sudden bursts of pace, and he's not afraid to get hit. Like he will take a tackle when maybe other players might jump out of the way or whatever. He is going to pick up injuries. So it, if you want to get the best out of him, you have to A, use him sparingly. So never give him a 90-minute game. Like never. Just give him 70, 75 minutes every, every, every so often and also sometimes leave him out and just protect him. Um, and also afford that would go Sunday. down really well with Newcastle fans, wouldn't it? <laughs> Us taking St. Maximin off on 70 minutes when well, there's a result to be gotten. But sure, you might but, be right. Go on, Dave. Yeah. Get the next point, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, then, I didn't mean to sound that to sound passive-aggressive. <laughs> you, you're right. Like Some fans might kick off, but they'd kick, they're going to kick off anyway because if, if he, he is like he is, out for ages, there are fans saying, why wasn't he protected? Why why have we thrown him in so early when he's had these injuries? Why are we not softly re- like reintroducing him? And then the counterpoint of that is, well, we need him. And, you know, it's it's a, it's a no-win it's situation. It's always going to be the way. It yeah. He is yeah. one of them players. You get a lot of them. There's, 
there's a few, I feel like in recent years, there's a few players who sort of bucked that trend, right? Because what is it? It's like quick twitch muscles or whatever. There's a, basically mm. wingers, as they go on in their career, they just pick up injuries because of their acceleration. Yeah. There's a few, I feel like, in recent years who sort of, but obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, I know he changed as a footballer, but I think he... Robin, not, well. he did something to his body. I don't know. In the way he trained, I guess. Hmm. Sterling, Giggs. I mean, Giggs is the the example I give because he was he, he was a lightning fast winger, and the way he maintained his his physique and his his fitness was yoga. And I think it's it's he taking a, a different approach. He also completely changed his game, didn't he? I oh, mean, in I know the final Ronaldo few seasons, yeah. I, I just think that. I don't believe that Alison Maxman would switch to like yoga type of fitness and that, that which would afford him a bit more flexibility and a bit more like whatever. I think he's going to stick with trying to be fast and trying to be like, you know. I just Alan don't Maxman. believe Alison Maxman will do yoga. There's <laughs> your headline. I, I think one thing Prove that comes wrong. out of this big crisis because the. Like it did make quite a few headlines. I sort of feel for Emil Kraft looking at the headlines and being like, have they mentioned me? Because I'm out. <laughs> that is true. And you know what? In a weird way, I'm not going to say that's going to be the worst injury, but in a, uh, <laughs> but in a weird, weird way, it does put us in a situation with Kraft being out. Yes, none of us liked him being our first choice at right back. But with Mankio out as well and Yedlin gone, we for a while we had a surplus of right backs. Suddenly we don't have one. We've lost two wingers. So you might say, oh, we'll stick um, Murphy in at right back, future Ballon d'Or winner, Jacob Murphy. I genuinely, I'm still banging the drum for Jake, Jacob Murphy. I don't see what he's done wrong this season when he's come on. I I think he should have had a lot more minutes and I hope he's able to take this opportunity. But you either have Jacob Murphy at right back, which misses the opportunity to have him up, uh, up at the top, certainly if we're not playing five at the back. Or you have, what, Hayden which we did accidentally have. We'll talk about that in a moment in the world's game for a moment. I think in terms well, of players, I would rather have it right back ahead of Krath. You've got Murphy, Hayden, Cher. I'd rather probably have Dummett, Clark, Lascelles, <laughs> Fernandez. <laughs> he's just he's just not good enough for the league. You so, so we have to have someone. We have to yeah. have someone at right back, and they're all problems now, aren't they? Well, the irony is, I would say that that Wolves game was his best performance for us. I don't think it was outstanding, but it wasn't. He wasn't abject in it, and then he no, gets I injured. I think he's had better games than that. Every time Traore looked at him, he just ran round him. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I think. I think we do. Like the, the goal was well taken. You know, it was um, Ryan Fraser yes. crossing it in. Goal, yeah, Ryan Fraser for the cells. Sorry, Dave, you were no. ahead and described it. Go on. No, that was it. It was just a. It was a 
good cross, good header. It was actually it was an absolute peach for cross. And I think it's um, I think we mentioned on the the WhatsApp group. It looks like the, the those set pieces where it's a, a short ball, and then the the cross comes in from a little bit deeper. I think it it seems to be part of the game at the minute, like part of our game. So that reap rewards. And then I mean their equaliser was just it was a couple of minutes after our, um, St Maximum went off uh, and and Kraft. And it was just, I mean, Bruce has blamed Richie for not passing on the message. Uh, some people are blaming Shelby for taking a, a free kick too early. Um, but it ended up with our, the, the player who's supposed to be right back or right wing back was actually in the far left corner. Jacob Murphy. Yeah. Hayden didn't know where he was supposed to be. So he was like, trying to be involved in our attack and then suddenly because they hit us on the counter he's trying to get back into position we were just in we were just all over the shop and um, however it happened however it happened and I'm sure most people would be very keen to blame Bruce and they may well be right but however it happened it's a really shit way to concede a goal when you're ahead in a really important game where you could be getting three points at home it's it's yeah I think really game, bad it felt it like we were going to win as well that was it, like, I did feel like we were going to win it and it wasn't an individual error it wasn't that we just suddenly started playing badly we just messed up as I a, think, I think all that was, happened the the key to it is you send on someone to give instructions to the rest of the team you don't choose a player with as as thick and broad a Scottish <laughs> accent as Matt Ritchie. Because <laughs> they're never going to get your A back. <laughs> you just nod and agree. Yeah, you gotta, he doesn't come with subtitles. Yeah. You know, it's I not think, like I when um, I try to watch uh, that Ken Loach film set in Scotland with my girlfriend and she asked for subtitles. <laughs> That's Sweet Sixteen. I think it was the other one. It's the one I, Joe. Anyway, right, fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just a bad anecdote from fifteen years ago. Um, there were like there were a few errors though. You said there wasn't individual errors. Well, Lewis didn't stop the cross. Dubravka spilled it. Hayden wasn't anywhere. There's, okay, sure. And that case, a, a collection of individual error, yeah, errors, yeah, yeah, than yeah, one particular one. Um, but yeah, it's a real. Shame that that happened. I wanted to talk about Amaron came off. Uh, he did have a really good opportunity in the first half when it seemed like we were strangely dominating and we did create a couple of good opportunities. Amaron had one, he hit the post. That was a shame. I heard some people say, You've got to score that. I felt like that was a bit harsh. I thought he did all right, yeah. didn't he? Mm. And then there was the, uh, later in the second half, the chance that really felt like a good chance was after Jacob Murphy's stunning run that no one else is talking about. I do not understand how Jacob Murphy can go past three players and no one even notices it. But Alan said maximum, you know, turns one player and everyone says he's worth 70 million. <laughs> two things that have demonstrably not happened <laughs> yeah, true true but let me build this straw man <laughs> uh, Jake Murphy went on a nice little run and set up Joe Linton for 
a very good opportunity, which Alan Shearer says, you've got to put that away. I think he did all right, didn't he, Joe Linton? As you said in the WhatsApp chat, Dave, he hit it first time, he hit it hard, he hit it on target. It, it was a really good defensive block. Like, he, he got it past the keeper, so he, he hit it first time, hard, on target, past the keeper. It just so happened that there was a, a, a player on the line to clear it. And you've got, you've got like some, some fans on Twitter saying, oh, he should have gone for the bottom corner or he should have like dinked it or he should have... Like, it's all easy to say in hindsight when you're not under any kind of pressure. Like, at the time, he did exactly what you're supposed to do in that situation. Hard, true, on target. Like, it's just bad luck. He can't buy a goal. And it like, is a fact that, like... Alan Shearer in that situation would have done the same thing, but would have almost certainly scored. But Alan Shearer is the best striker in Premier League history. So, you know. But Joe Linton as well, he has a very good track record of turning sitters into non goal scoring opportunities. (laughs) For Joe Linton, that was the best moment of his season. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's the only person. He's been improved lately, but he's still been shite. Okay, so let's, uh, before we go for a break and um, go to social media, let's talk about uh, where we are right now. Wilson is still out. Almiron and St. Maximin are now out. We've got a couple of games coming up that are very winnable and very important in the context of our relegation battle. How should we line up? How do you think we'll be lining up? I think we have to go Gale up top as a one, as a proper striker through the middle. My worry is we'll go Fraser and Joel Linton and keep the formation we've got at the minute. The formation we've got at the minute works okay-ish because it's so dependent on Almiron. We're finally getting... Hang on, Fraser and Joel Linton, aren't we sort of playing 4-3-3 at the moment? We're doing 4-3-1-2 or 4-4. Okay. 4-3-1-2 with Almiron as the number 10. And that was getting the best out of Almiron. But I don't think there's any point keeping that without him there because I don't think we've got another... But what do you think it would be? It would be Fraser and Joe Linton with who at number 10? I think if you keep that formation, you're probably looking at Willock or Shelby or even Hendrick or Elliot Anderson nice. is the other option. Okay. But I think you yeah. have to go 4-2-3-1, Gale up top. Or even Carroll up top, I prefer Gale. But if you go Murphy and Fraser on the wings, then Carroll makes some sense. But I think I remember you, you know, game. yeah. I think I remember you in the WhatsApp chat making uh, quite a good case for Carroll, Dave. Mm. That case now, if you would like. Uh, sure, it was simply what, what Paul was just saying, that you've got in, in Murphy and Fraser, you've got two people who can deliver a ball into the box. And in Andy Carroll, you've got somebody who has, in his history, been good at getting on the end of crosses. It doesn't make sense to have those two providing crosses for Dwight Gale because he's not as much of a threat in the air. He's not as much of a, you know, he's not as good at heading the ball and stuff. And if you're, if you're playing it on the deck with Gale, those two players, they've got a bit of skill about them, but they're not the St. Maximum and Almiron who would play the you know the intricate passing. I I agree. I think we should play with Gale up front. I think we 
even though I've just made a case against it, I think we should play with Fraser and Murphy. And I think we should play, you know, Matt Ritchie at right back. Not because I think that's a, I just think it's a, get, keep our best players on the pitch. Um, it's, it's the only th- way I would go with it. I, I, it's difficult, especially given the, the two opponents that we're going to meet soon. You know, physical units, you want to have big physical players, but we are so crippled by injury. If we lose, I don't know, uh, Hayden to an injury, I'd be almost certain we'd go down. So, so we yeah. got, um, uh, uh, sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, uh, um, Just say the other option, which we could have, is 442. Carol and Gale together up front as the kind of big man, little man combo. I wouldn't necessarily want to see it, but I could see why you'd look at the players we've got available and think that could work. So yeah, Hayden, you have- Hayden and Willock as the two, although he's, Bruce is never going to drop Shelby. So I think that's a non-starter. Shelby is a number 10. I wouldn't mind seeing in a 4-2-3-1 or Sean Longstaff who did all right in that role last season. You could always play a four four two with Hayden and Shelby in the centre, push Willock out the one of the flanks, Fraser on the other one, and have Murphy. At, you know, so right, if right. so, if you've got the weaker of those two on the left hand flank, put Dummett behind them and um, yeah. Murphy on the right hand side, so that it it kind of pivots to a like a three at the back when, like a five at the back, really when when we out of position. And then that's the other thing I'd like four, to see Paul Dummett coming in for oh, yeah. Lewis. Because like Lewis doesn't offer much defensively, doesn't offer much attackingly. Like you'll get the same attacking wise out of Dummett, but you'll at least get a solid defender. I've said it before, but I am continually stunned by Lewis's uh, ability to get the ball and always his first thought is I will now run in the opposite direction yeah. while I think about what to do. Um now, every uh, Newcastle game sounds like I'm watching Inspector Morse. You can just hear a man shouting Lewis. Lewis! All the way through. My feeling is that despite what social media would have you believe, it's not great, but the last few games, I think we've played all right. I think it's as a system, it's worked better than most of the systems we've tried over the course of the last year. So I um, whether it can work with the injuries that we have, I don't know, but I am loath to get rid of it and I'd quite like to see if there's a way that we can try and make that work. I like I the idea you of... The, you can change the shape and keep the ethos that we've got because that's what's changed yeah, more than yeah. anything, the pressing yeah. and the trying to turn over possession more. That's if that's possible, yeah. If that's possible, then yes, I agree. Yeah, I would like that. Carol, I, there were a couple of performances around Christmas time where I was really surprised by Carol. I thought, oh, he's not done as a player, which I thought he might be. I'm a bit, I wonder whether he could sort of keep up with play. I think he's more mobile than I thought he was, but is he going to be there for Fraser and Murphy's crosses? I think. That, he seems to have turned into the sort of player where he was always a player who could hold it up, but he was also a player when we who saw could carry it. Yeah. When, when he, we saw him for 35 minute million was a target man who could, 
make and take chances as now he's sort of like sort of like late 30s Peter Crouch sort of he can still run around a bit there's been I definitely remember at least one game last season where he was properly pressing and he thought did not think Andy Carroll had that in him you even look back to our first game this season was it West Ham yeah started 4-4-2 with Carroll up there and he it's not that he can't necessarily do it it's just it's putting a lot of chips in one basket and but he sort of needs someone beside him, doesn't he? Accommodate him. But what we, what you could do is put play that four two three one with uh, uh, the number ten given the given the instruction to do a lot of the pressing, and Andy Carroll basically occupies a space within about twenty five yards of their box at all times. Don't yeah. you don't need to have them chasing the the centre backs down? That's what the um, the busy little bee, like uh, like you say, like Elliot Anderson can do that job. Sean Longstaff can do it. Um, I don't think you could get Shelby doing it because he, he's lazy shit. But somebody doing the busy work. I do think yeah, Shelby against do. Wolves was the first time he's looked like a decent defensive midfielder. He was like actually running about and tackling, which mm. is very odd for him. Um, and. Before we have a break, turns out that putting Atsu in our uh, squad might not have been a terrible idea after all, because if uh, I I don't expect him to be getting a start, certainly in the next couple of weeks, but he might find himself on the bench, right? Might find himself even coming on. God, I, th- I think it would have been wiser to have kept Yedlin than yeah. than uh, than have Atu because in Atu's position we've got Fraser Murphy, arguably Willick. In Ritchie. hindsight, yes, but you know we did have three right backs a month yeah, ago. Yeah, but we only really had two. Kraft mm. was not a Premier League right back. Why do you hate Kraft so much, Paul? Because he's rubbish. He is not good enough to be in a Premier League team. Okay, well, he's definitely not now because he's injured. And he just doesn't have great technique. He's always just slicing the ball. I'm always just annoyed at the craft slice. Yeah, if you can... Oh, Dave. (laughs) That is is gold. No, it's just just first class. It's just such a good joke. (laughs) I'll teach that. (laughs) Any, Any young boys lucky enough to be listening to this podcast... That is that is the technique you need in this game. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a break now, and when we come back, to more fantastic jokes. <laughs> 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 no, we'll be going uh, to social media. I think there's been some good questions. We'll tuck in, and uh, we'll talk about whether we're going to go down, and we'll talk about our next football match. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Lovely. Yeah. Not bad. Good. So um, there has actually, I forgot to preview this for the second half, there has actually been some stunning gossip in the world of Newcastle United. Right, this is what I heard, right? I heard that, <laughs> you know, right, um, Matt Ritchie, right? Oh, yeah. You know, like, right, you know, Wolves game, right? He came yeah. on, right? But no. there was all like a mix-up, wasn't there? No. Like, right back. And... Steve Bruce, right, he said in post-match interview, right, he was all like, oh, well, I told Mike Matt Ritchie to tell the other boys, and he didn't tell them. And then, right, should I continue with this? That <laughs> I like it. I like it. That is the um, gist of it, right? Steve, Steve Bruce suggested in his post-match comments that Matt Ritchie hadn't passed the message on. Yeah, I think to... Yeah. To add a little bit as well, it was more messages. It was like Jacob Murphy, who was playing left at the time, had to get to right back. We had to switch to five at the back. There's a lot of messages to get around. And the mm. other point, Shelby took Should've a just sent. Have you not all got the email? Should have just sent yeah. an email. Go on. The thing that it, the, the, and you've also got Shelby taking the quick free kick, but that. There was a break in place. So there was plenty of opportunity for Steve Bruce and the coaching staff as a whole to pull across the, the players that they needed to talk to and say, you're there, we're playing five at the back, you're going to fill in at the right, right back. Like There was plenty of opportunity and it wasn't done. And Lascelles in the post-match said, yeah, we need to talk about that. So clearly the players were a bit miffed. Um, and then for Bruce to throw Richie under the bus in the, the post-match, and also he threw Lewis under the bus, Debravka under the bus, he, he was blaming everybody for that goal other than taking responsibility on himself and the coaching staff to, to get the message across. We were, it's never yeah, his fault. I would, from his, I'm not defending Bruce, but I would. it must be annoying if you send a player on in what is a, quite an ordinary occurrence, if you pass on the messages about what system we're switching to, and that message doesn't get across, it's unfortunate that a goal comes straight out of that. But it's the worry is it's not the first time it's happened under Bruce. It happened in his first game, I think, when we had Willems not passing that message mm. on. But still, it is, it's not necessarily all his fault. That. I think as well, Dubravka, I think all the blame he gave those players was fair, but you shouldn't be doing that as a manager. Yeah, the we should have saved that. Lewis should have stopped the cross. We'll talk about the bust-up again in a second, but uh, I realised that's something I forgot to mention in the first half of this podcast. Dubravka got his first start since coming back from injury. Um, I guess there were divided, divided opinions on that. I think most people were pretty pro it in coming back but you would have liked him 
I think Newcastle Twitter was pro it until it happened and then they were against it. I think that I think, is totally true. And that is sad. I, th- I think I think the, the the issue that a lot of fans on Twitter had with it is that Darlow was He no, didn't show enough respect. He didn't show him enough respect, Dave. That Darlow found out that he was going to be dropped through the press uh, like 72 hours before the game, rather than Steve Bruce telling him, look, I'm going to go with Dubravka. And then um, and then for, for Steve Bruce to throw, like to, to blame Dubravka for the, for the equaliser. Um, it's just, look, I saw a lot of Newcastle fans complaining that Dubravka had been picked. And I had I had seen before the game, before anyone knew about how the news had been released, I had seen weeks of people saying that Dubravka needs to come back in the side. And then as soon as the squad was announced, I saw a lot of tweets saying that Darlow needs to have kept his place. To be fair, I'm not sure if I'd I, I'm not 100% sure that's the same people. I still think it's the right decision to bring Dubravka back. He is our best keeper. And, and to be fair to Dubravka, to be, to be fair to Dubravka, he was probably at fault for the goal, but he may well have kept us, it got us the point at the end of the game with uh, a really good save. Let's talk about the bus stop again. The, the, the way the story is told is that... Um, Matt Ritchie wanted to talk to Bruce about it after the game. Bruce said, we'll talk about it in training. Then Ritchie brought it up in training and then Bruce started shoulder-barging him. Well, no, what happened is... Uh, right, go on. What Ritchie, was it? Tell me. Well, you, you go on, go on. Tell Matt, me what happened. So Matt Ritchie was told, you've got to go talk to Steve Bruce. And he says, I'm not talking to that coward. Worst thing you can call Steve That's Bruce right. is a coward. He was fuming. He came out. Right. And of course, Matt Ritchie was fucking Steve Bruce's daughter. Like all <laughs> all players in all bust-ups. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a fight I would have liked to have seen. Somebody, I can't remember who, I apologise, asked on Twitter, uh, who do we think would win in that fight between uh, Ritchie and Steve Bruce? Uh, it was Paul M. Who would win a bare knuckle fight, Richie or Bruce? Slight weight advantage for one of them. I mean, you, you have to bat Richie, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of giant haystacks versus Begbie. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you go Begbie. You're a big man, but you're out of shape. And for me, it's a full time job. Richie would have them. I'm just really interested by the. I mean, who knows how accurate the reporting is? I'm really interested by the shoulder barging element. Like it wasn't chest to chest or pushing. It was shoulder barging. Maybe it's just, maybe Steve Bruce hasn't been in a physical fight for a long time. He's just like, well, what did I used to do at corners? It's (laughs) a very sort of American team high school thing. of like shoulder barging someone. To to make them spill their library books. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, just, yeah, that's crossing each other in the corridor. Yeah, maybe that was it. They were crossing each other on their way to math. But it's, it's undignified for a manager to be reduced to that. But it does, it's the pressure of being Newcastle manager where you get, you're not insulated from anything by the board or anyone above you. You're the lightning rod for everything. We saw it with Pardew 
when he got into that fight with David Myler. Is it David mm. Myler? Yeah. You just, yeah, yeah. It's it's not a commitment. And John Carver offering fans out of the stands for a fight. It's you're so alone as Newcastle manager. All the pressure goes on to you. That I mean, it does say something. Right. It also suggests that the the sort of man who uh, throws up in a fireplace during a business meeting <laughs> <laughs> picks a certain type of manager. Um, but I mean, whenever I've heard interviews with ex-players and things you're always told that these sort of things happen on the training ground all the time they're so common but there is it is a fact that at the moment everything about our club is toxic and we're now in a relegation battle and this directly related to something that happened on in the previous match, it's between the manager and a serious senior player. It's not good, is it? Yeah, like the the the. I mean, people have said, "Oh, he's lost the entire um, the entire group of players," and other people are saying, "Oh, he's only lost a few of them." And actually, like I think Luke Edwards was saying that a lot of senior players are refuting this this. Uh, this story in the in the mail, and they're saying that's not the case. We all actually like him. It doesn't matter if if Steve Bruce has lost some of these players. That's too many in this season. Isn't you know it what I mean? It's, I might be wrong on this, but isn't it? It's Craig Hope, and yeah. he's the same guy who got banned for getting it wrong on Saint Maximin recently. Isn't he the one um, who came out with the Saint Maximin falling out story that? I'm not sure he necessarily got it wrong, but he was banned for. Mm. But then, but then the written press have been banned as a collective. Sure, um, I think. Well, they haven't. That's not true. But I think um, they they were. NUFC banned the, the written the, the written press from fairly oh, recently. I think. Yeah, it was fairly recently they got banned. Okay, we can but get now in, they're allowed a couple. Into, from what I heard, they weren't banned, but it was interpreted as that by some. That um, whatever. Hmm. Uh, um, mm, what am I saying? Whatever, whatever it is, it's clear something happened and it wasn't good. Whether every element of it is entirely true, hmm. it's, it's there's a lot of things culminating that are not good signs. You know, the injuries, um, this bust up, our. You know, you might say our performances have improved, our results have not recently, really. I think the reassuring thing on that score, though, is you look at the teams below us, their performances are all fine as well, but they're doing just as bad for the teams around us. You look at Brighton. If Brighton or Fulham had Callum Wilson, they'd be safe by now. But they just yeah, can't Brighton, get a goal. Brighton and Fulham. I mean, I think oh, I think Brighton will survive. But Brighton, I, I think it's between us and Fulham. Really, you never know. Well, I think Burnley, Southampton are on the worst run in the league, and can't get sucked in. They're only on thirty points. Yeah, I mean, and if be. if we're in it, then then Brighton have to be in it because they're on the same number of points as we are. Burnley are only three points better off than we are. And and like you say, Southampton's on, they're on thirty points, so there are a few teams that could get sucked into it. Um, 
but I honestly think that the bottom three now are the most likely to be the bottom three come the end of the season because, like, Fulham, yeah, Fulham are playing well. Like, they played well uh, as we're recording, like, Thursday night as we're recording, and they got beat. So, at the end of the season, you don't get a bonus point for playing well. Um, if they can't, if they can't get the, if they can't catch up with us, yeah, they'll they'll go down. And like you say, Brighton, they're not in great form. Southampton are in terrible form. Um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily just the bottom four that are in this fight. I think there's, yeah, there's. I think as well, you look at teams. you look at Fulham's good form and the teams they've beaten. Everton is the best team they've beaten. We've beaten them twice. Other than that, you're looking mm. like West Brom, Sheffield United. They're the so it's not like they're massively performing. They just can't score. For, yeah. Um, for uh, uh, the start of our season, a lot of people thought that. Our performances were awful, um, but we were getting results that were better than our performances deserved. Mm. Um, now the feeling is that teams like maybe maybe it's a reverse for us. It's not that our performances are excellent, but they're much improved, and maybe we deserve a little bit more. I, I think our last sort of four or five games have been a totally different thing to watch than the first half of the season. I first agree. half of the season, it's hard to. Shouldn't forget that how joyless that was as a spectator. But I mean, maybe we're not quite at the point where we can say we're hard done by. But Fulham and Brighton how, how are <coughs> have had quite a few good performances where you feel like they haven't got what they've deserved. And I just wonder whether they're sort of they're gonna out of nowhere actually start getting the results that they deserve. Who knows? But like, Paul, but like Paul says, the the reason that Fulham and Brighton are in the situation that they are is because they yeah they're making chances and they're creating creating chances and they're, they're playing some nice stuff, but they can't put the ball in the back of the net, and that's why they're they're in the problem the trouble that they are, and they haven't in the January window bought a goal scorer. So then, but we have a goal scorer and he's injured. Yes, we put the ball in the back of the net on Saturday, but that was from central defender, and you can't rely on that. Can we for a whole season <laughs> that one time? Yeah, I mean, but I I just think that I'm I'm not confident that we're staying up, but I am. I think the most likely thing is that the the, the a that the teams in the bottom three will be the bottom bottom three come the end of the season, and also there's no guarantee that brightness suddenly going to start scoring goals, and that's going to be enough to keep them up. Because honestly, we've got. Arguably the easiest running um, of yeah, all the we teams. Have statistically, got the easiest running as well. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to give you a couple of um, Twitter comments slash questions now, and uh, and then uh, I'll ask for your percentages for us going down because I've got some from some others. Theo Penn says, "With the injuries, we're screwed." Right? I'm at seventy five percent chance of us going down. Uh, we've got I somebody. Think... I'm just, I'm just, I'm just engaging with our fans, Paul. We've got Jake, Jake Sampson. He says that he's about ninety percent that we're going down. I think that's the two who gave us actual percentages. Um, where are you at, Paul? Forty, I think. Paul's at forty percent. I think we're the, the key thing about these injuries is they're all players who 
have at some point in this season been dropped or been about to be dropped as well, apart from Wilson. Wilson's the big miss, but he might only be out for the next three games. They're three of our more winnable games. We've still got Sheffield United and Fulham after that. And, you- and it, it does give us the opportunity to get... I, I feel like I would have liked to have seen Fraser play a lot more this season. Yeah. Uh, has, he did come on, you know... Amaron went off. Fraser come on and made a goal, and I'd like to. I'd like to think Fraser, if Fraser can stay fit enough to play ninety minutes, or at least nearly ninety minutes in most games, then that's almost a like for like replacement for either yeah. Amaron or Sam. And I think as well as big a miss as Wilson is, we did manage to finish thirteenth or fourteenth last year without him. We can. There's still uh, goals from other parts of our team. I mean, Shelby was our top scorer last season. The amount of defenders we've had scoring with, before that. Yeah. Dave, what's your percentage chance of us going down? Forty. Yeah, both seventy-five, forty percent. I'm tempted to say something different to Paul, but no. I'm well, I'll be ab- because I'll be absolutely honest. You, you both, uh, making me feel better. I'll be absolutely honest. I'll give you what. I thought about this today. I thought about where I was at today before we had this conversation, and I was at 50 50. I was at 50 50 because. Was that before the Fulham Spurs game? It probably was before the Fulham Spurs game that I thought that bad. I don't know. They've got Liverpool and Man City next. I just couldn't feel right here. But I, I felt like I had, I could feel Fulham breathing down our necks and our situation. But yeah, 538, who. You may know or not know, you may respect or not respect. They're a sort of data analysis, uh, politics and sports thing. Uh, I like to think they're more reliable than uh, betting companies because betting odds are based on the feelings of football supporters, whereas this is supposedly just based on data. They have us... A lot of people might be surprised by this, but they have us with a 29% chance of going down. Hmm. They've got got Fulham with a 55% chance of going down, Burnley 10%, Brighton 6%, Palace 2%, Southampton 3%. Interesting. My worry is it coming down to the last game of the season, Fulham away, just for the nerves. of. I'm already nervous about that game. Hmm. Yeah. I think so I think the next nice our next stuff. game, I think our next game is the biggest of the season so far because if we can beat West Brom, I would say that's like the penultimate nail in their coffin, and it would hopefully push us and likely push us six points clear of Fulham, and they've still got like um, after Liverpool they've got Man City so I. Even if we were to lose against Villa, which I think is likely, uh, they're likely to lose to Man City. I mean, so we've maintained a six-point gap. I know Liverpool just won, but taking that aside, they're on a terrible run. And well, I mean, we got coming back and Fabinho though. They're sort of they have been decimated. They are losing tonight. They're losing one 0 to Chelsea at the minute. But that's why, like, I don't care that they're in terrible form. Liverpool are still so much better than Fulham it's like us against Chelsea it's, it'll be men against boys sure they did lose like 
what was it, 6 1, 6 2 to Villa? I mean, I know that was a long time ago, but like Liverpool aren't a automatic. They're uh, not a banker. Points in the way that Man City are. Liverpool are a very unpredictable side this season. Who could? Oh, good. We still got them to play. That is. We, we got a point off Liverpool this season. We could get. Yeah, but the, the funny thing for me is that um, Newcastle fans will, because it's their nature, look at the our game against Liverpool and say we'll a hundred percent lose that game. But they'll look at Fulham's game against uh, Liverpool and say, well, I'd fancy Fulham to maybe pick up a point. It's like. Well, we're all shit as each other. So yeah. if if we're a hundred percent gonna lose it, so are Fulham. Well no, I'm making today, that we're all of those men fighting true. over a cone at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I'm just making the case that like nothing is binary and it's not like we're definitely gonna lose it, or they're definitely I'm just making the case that things it's sport and things you don't expect to happen can happen. Yeah. Mm. Um so uh, let's talk about let's get let's talk about tweets, baby. Let's talk about no, <laughs> wow. Let's get to Twitter. Uh, we've already had that from uh, Theo Penn. Theo Penn also said, um, "Now this sentence is the way he's constructed it. It could mean two different things." He says, "What's more painful for you to watch at the mo- at the minute at Fergus Craig, England's batting or Newcastle's football?" All right. But another way of reading that question is, what's more painful for you to watch at the minute? Fergus Craig, England's batting on Newcastle's football. <laughs> I'll go A. Yeah. Right, okay. I mean, I think the question he's asking, I think he knows I'm a cricket fan. England's batting on Newcastle football, I don't know. I didn't see much of England's batting. I'd, I guess Newcastle's football because I find it more stressful. I'd, uh, because but I think as well, though, like we've said a few times, the last... Sort of few weeks, Newcastle's football has been decent to watch. It's been infuriating. Compared for with what weeks. came before, definitely immeasurably, and 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 also, it's not where I would like us to be. But it's nice in one respect to be supporting a, supporting a team who have a lot to play for at the moment. Every yeah. game is really important. That is stressful, but. You know, it's it's part of the joy of sport, right? To have games that you really, really want to win. <laughs> um, there's probably a better way of putting that sentence, but here we go. Here's a very good uh, tweet. Uh, Ed Fusco says, Blackburn have a 25 million price tag on Adam Armstrong and Brentford value Ivan Tony at 25 million. Both players were deemed surplus to requirements at NUFC, but are doing brilliantly in the championship. Meanwhile, we have no forwards. Why are we so bad at nurturing talent? See Longstaffs for more. I mean, it's a good point, isn't it? When you think about the Longstaffs as well. Well, I think we've historically been terrible at arranging good loans for players. We've got Scholler as loan manager now. It'll be interesting to see if that changes. But we just never... Other clubs would send players like that out on loan three or four seasons in a row and then bring them in when they're ready. The other problem we've had, as well as not... If you play for Newcastle and you're that age and a good player, you're not going to get in the first team because we're always in a relegation battle 
So it's always too high stakes to throw in kids. Whereas if we were safe by sort of February, March, that's where you get five to ten games as a youngster to actually make your case for the team. I feel like with the loans, they're going. They often seem to be going down to like League One or League Two or something. It's like, can we? Can they not? Well, that's fine. I so think look at Dummett. Yeah, went sort of very low down and then started progressively going higher up. But wouldn't it be but I think like Armstrong or Tony were having these incredible seasons on loan in the Championship? We've got it. The one that seems to be managed well at the minute is Freddie Woodman, who was like under twenty three World Cup winner. And now he's in his second season in a row at Swansea, guaranteed starter there. And he'll probably be ready for our first team at some point soon. But that's one that we're actually doing. You can only have one goalkeeper in the team at one time. And we always seem to have a surplus of half-decent keepers. But Dubravka's quite old. I don't think Darlow's going to be our number one. Darlow's a lot older than I thought a few months ago. (laughs) But uh, looking at yeah. Woodman, really. Okay, okay. Mm. But he's one that's that... gone to a championship club and is getting thirty plus games a season. Maybe Woodman yeah. won, but it's true. It is true. The issue is the backroom staff, though. Paul says we we haven't got a, a good system in place. Yeah, it's it's it comes from people like uh, years of people like. Derek Lambias and uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of the one now. Lee, Lee Charney. Lee Charney. Just, um, yeah, there's no, they're not direct bank yeah. front managers. And we're changing the managers too often and that means that the whole, you know, the whole fingerprint of the club changes each time because... We don't, we don't change our managers that much more often than... Most football clubs. I'm Less not saying than Watford. Say, so. yeah, but then Watford have got a director of football, haven't they? Yeah. So, and and they are like uh, in a partnership with Udinese, and so that whole group have a very specific plan about who to loan, like which players to buy, where to buy from, where to loan to. Whereas we're relying on Shulramiobi to <laughs> find. Like and to that, find, uh, like I know that they sent Elias Sorensen off to Cardiff, and he just never played. Not Cardiff, Carlisle, and he just never played. And it was like, well, that's a, a waste of a time because he would have been yeah. better served training with the training with the Newcastle coaching team. So it's just they're just badly run, and they have been for fuck decade. But I think as well, you look at Tony and Armstrong. Not wanting to make everything about Rafa, but that sort of happened on Rafa's watch. And for someone who, whose image was based on him very much being across every detail of the club, you sort of think, why aren't they getting put out on decent loans or getting a run in the team? Yeah, it feels like a ball there. Definitely, and uh, like it's not in defence of him, but um, the at the time when when Tony left, nobody was. Nobody was really surprised. And that he's gone on to do really well for himself is great, but I don't think anybody was I don't think anybody was um crying over him leaving. So But in summary, uh Dave, we change managers too often, which is why we should keep Bruce. Okay, let's uh go on to the next 
Got a question here from Rob Farkaharson. He says, would you rather have a... <laughs> this is like the sixth time we've recorded this because we've had internet issues. Can it... Will it work this time? It's a great question, but any laughter that comes from it will not be genuine. Here we go. Would you rather have a one tooth? That's a secret button to make both your eyeballs fall out. <laughs> Whenever your tongue touches it, you don't know which tooth it is, and it's a different one every day. Or B, Kraft, Hendrick, Shelby, and Joe Linton in a starting eleven for the rest of the season. Which would you rather have out of those two options, Paul? Dead. Do my, do my, do my eyes like to grow them right, back? He's or? already prepared an answer to that question. He anticipated that question, and he says. Your eyeballs stay attached to the little meat strings. I assume that's what they're called. I'm not a doctor. You don't go blind. You can put them back in, but it's difficult and fairly painful. I mean, it's a fantastic question. What's your response, Dave? Um, secret tooth button. Secret tooth button. Yeah, I. Yeah. No, I. Plus, it'd be fun, fun at parties. I think I'd go the other option just because I quite like championship football. I think it's always fun when we're there. <laughs> well, you both, you both had about half an hour to prepare an answer to that question because I've, I've asked it about eight times. Rob, we thought your tweet was so good that we recorded it eight times <laughs> because of internet issues. So take that as a compliment. So our next match is this weekend. It's against, it's against West Brom. It is a massive game, no matter what, whichever way you look at it. Dave, do you have a prediction? Yeah, I think we'll win 1-0. I think it'll be a horrible game, but I just, I just fancy us to, to, to get a result. It's a noon kickoff on a Sunday. They're often terrible games. It's away at West Brom. Paul? You would think, because West Brom are playing, or they've played tonight as we're recording, and they named an unchanged side. You'd think the Thursday to Sunday is going to hurt them. But then it sounds like we've had at least two days off training in the week. So... Who knows? I I think we're going to draw. Well, that wouldn't be good. We, we, we were. It wasn't Allardyce is my main thing. Mm. We were off training today, weren't we? Yeah, and Monday. That strange. Was that just a, like everyone? I mean, it does seem odd. It, I mean, maybe maybe it's totally fair enough, some kind of conditioning thing. But we didn't have a midweek game. Is it just to like just so that they won't fight? Everyone, <laughs> everyone have a spa day, and we'll come back. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like it's something that Bruce has done for like at all the clubs he's been at is is to give players more days off than they've had with other managers. Okay, so I don't think it's like unique to this season. Well, it's worked well, really well for him. In, for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've got... It's an interesting uh, face-off, isn't it? Bruce versus Allardyce. Both 
men of a certain type, both who have managed Newcastle and Sunderland. Are, are there another two managers who've both managed Newcastle and Sunderland? I mean, maybe in history, but certainly not in my memory. Bob Stokoe managed both of us, but other than him, I can't think of anyone. Uh, Steve McLaren feels like he should have, but didn't. <laughs> it hasn't worked out. Maybe, well, at the moment, his career will have to tumble even further for him to start manage yeah. to complete the double. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to, I think, I think we'll win it because if I'm sat here, I mean, to be fair, I said 50-50, but in general, I hope this podcast has made you feel more positive because I feel like the general feel amongst Newcastle fans is that um, we're going to go down. Certainly those who are expressing their feelings publicly. Um, but um, the general vibe on this podcast has not been the same. And and yet, you, Paul, don't even think we'll beat West Brom. So I, I don't I, know. I I'm not sure. It's only... It's the Allardyce factor and missing Callum Wilson. Sure. I think we'll have to pick up more points at the end of the season. Maybe. Maybe. I would like us to. I find find it hard to tally not beating West Brom and and staying up. Well, I think if you look at their last two games, Fulham and West Brom are both lost. If we get a point, that's, that's still taking us away from Fulham. It's going to be small margins. We're... A lot of fans are acting like Fulham are going to be winning every week and we're going to have to win every week. That's not going to be the case. Sure. No, yeah, fair enough. Three, three wins and a draw between now and the end of the season is enough to get us safe, I would say. I think we'll win. I don't know how, but I'll, I'll go for 1-0. I, but I think, I think we'll win because I believe in, I believe in magic. You believe in Steve Bruce. And I believe in Steve Bruce. I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's... I th- Honestly, I think in a couple of seasons we'll be saying, can you believe... Did you know Man United nearly sacked Alex Ferguson? And then look what happened to that club. I think we will, as a club, turn it around. We'll, we'll look back and go... Can you believe how close the, the the fans hated him? The fans wanted him gone. Can you believe how close Newcastle United got to getting rid of Steve Bruce? We'll be and saying now, this at the open. Now look at them. European <laughs> European giants. Paul, I forgot the word for giants. Then for a second. Yeah, I've never witnessed in in person a mental breakdown. It is a terrifying to see. What do you talk about? I mean, it was just a little bit of... No. Improv, I can yeah. see that. I can see it in your eyes. I think I think Bruce is going to get sacked before the end of the season. All right, okay. Well, let's do that then. You actually think he's going to get sacked before the end of the season? Yeah. If we don't beat West Brom, he's gone. Yeah, but you think we will beat West Brom, so tally those yeah. two things, knobhead. Well, because... <laughs> the Damocles sword is still going to be lingering over his head. I right, yeah, okay. I reckon he's lost I mean, enough be... of the players, and I reckon he's lost enough matches 
But he isn't will it, get the sack before the end of the season. Isn't it going to cost four million pounds to sack him though? It cost a hundred million pounds to go down. My worry is as well. We're going to be replacing him with Graham Jones, whose own managerial record is worse than Steve Bruce's. We replace. We're, we're not going to bring uh, in someone necessarily better. I would say. No, but we replaced Pardew with clamouring. We replaced Pardew with Carver and we stayed up, and Carver's arguably worse than Steve Bruce. Yeah, but Carver's record was worse than Pardew's. <laughs> if we bring <laughs> in someone with a worse decision. record than Bruce, we will definitely get relegated. That we was a terrible moment. moment in our club's history when we replaced <laughs> Pardew with John Carver. Like, right, we, we, like Chris Hewton got the job and he'd never managed the first team before. Like, I, yeah, I, are, I honestly think he'll go down and I honestly think that the, if, if they give the job to Graham Jones, the players plus Jones will be enough to stay up this season. I don't. I think that Graham Jones is a completely. I I, I agree. I was that there's a chance that Bruce will get uh, sacked before the end of the season, and I also agree what, with what I am certain your opinion is, which is it would be far too late not to keep us up, but it would. He should have been sacked yeah. earlier, mm-hmm. but. Um, Graham Jones, and I also think that the most likely thing is that Graham Jones will take over. But Graham Jones, who knows the way it'll go, but he's such an unknown quantity. All Graham Jones, Graham Jones only exists in people's minds. Yeah. As a, as a person, he's like, project whatever you want onto Graham Jones. He's like Ian Cathro used to be for us, where everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a great manager. He's amazing on the coaching team until he got the Hearts job and was dog shit. It's like yeah, it's like it's it's so much guessing just in people's minds. Like, how the fuck did anyone know that Ian Caffro would be a great manager? How the fuck does anyone know anything when you like Graham Jones is just a name? He's just a name and a photo shoot and someone that you've seen on a touchline. We don't know anything about him. The thing about Graham Jones is he's been part of very good coaching teams with Martinez. Uh, Wigan and Everton and Belgium but as a manager when he went to Luton on his own was terrible but then do you know enough hang on do you know enough about the the situation at Luton to say whether or not he he was performing badly because he'd lost his first choice striker for the rest of like I have no idea unstable than the Newcastle situation (laughs) no 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 but the that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a good coach or a bad coach. That that short spell at Luton, I have no idea because you've seen other managers have bad experiences at one club. And then, like, look at David Moyes at Sunderland. You'd say, well, that's him. He's a busted flush. And now look at him on West Ham. He's doing really well. If you asked the fans of the other 19 Premier League clubs, if they would swap managers to have Steve Bruce, you would get 19 no's. If you asked them if they would swap managers to have Graham Jones, you would get 19 who's. You wouldn't even get a no. I'm not saying he's well-known. I'm not saying anything about Graham Jones other than we don't know if he's going to be any good or not. But I that's do my, think that, that was he... That but, but then he... But that's and, the same but, reason to appoint anyone from the street that you've caught in a net. No, it's not. Like The idea, the idea that Graham Jones... Not. The great Graham Jones' work... 
Graham Jones has worked with uh, good managers, right? About John Carver worked with Bobby Robson. He was like, yeah, he was. Bobby I mean, Robson you're building a straw. I'm. I'm not saying that he's he's going to be good or anything. I'm saying that um, him plus players should be enough to keep us up this season. Not saying oh, that he's, like he's because the players are good footballers. They are. They are like like bottom end of the Premier League, but good enough to survive in this season. And he's a qualified coach. Like if it was some random off the street, I would if he was some random off the street, I wouldn't give him the the like the same like chances. And Steve Bruce has lost the players or some of them, enough of them to make a, a newspaper headline. Yeah. Steve but Bruce has, he lost the players when Graham Jones came in. There's <laughs> Graham Jones that has done it. Graham Jones Walking his sexy little ass <laughs> up and down the training ground, turning. Bruce has head, got form for this. Caught... Bruce has got. Bruce has got form for this at other clubs. Yeah, yeah Villa, well, uh, Holland, Sunderland, and Graham Jones. This is the thing. People are projecting a lot on We're the not, skills of Graham like, Jones. You're projecting it onto the onto people. People aren't saying Graham Jones is going to be a world class coach or anything like. They're not no, saying he's going to be a good he's manager. Good enough to keep us up based on hope. Yeah, based on hope and the fact <laughs> that he's been a decent coach. No, no, run on. Based on Craig Hope. Hang on a second. (laughs) Well done. That's what the club has been run on. They hoped that Steve Bruce would be enough to keep us in the Premier League. Well, that's what sport is based on. Well, then what's he complaining about saying he doesn't want a club run on hope? That's what all clubs are run on. We just want a club run on hope. All we want is hope. (laughs) Um, Steve Bruce keeping us up is a gamble and it, it worked last season. Graham Jones keeping us up is feels more like blind hope than a gamble, I would say. I would, I, I would much rather. I don't. Like, I don't think Bruce is the right man necessarily for the job. But I would, if he goes, I do not want Graham Jones in charge of the club. I would say that would be almost guaranteed relegation. I I don't know how you can make that assertion because of his managerial record. His one. Post at Luton when you don't know anything about the country. No, where was it? Was it Luton? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm gonna, you I'm don't gonna know any I'm going to take an unusual, an unusual moment in the history of the podcast. I'm going to now going to flip sides from Paul to Dave. I, I, I don't think. I think it's a bit silly to say that, like, if Graham Jones would come in then that means we would go down. And my whole point of Graham Jones is he only exists in people's minds and he's a completely unknown quantity. Yes, maybe he had a bad run of manager from Luton, uh, at Luton, but I don't think that means he's a bad manager. I don't think it means he's a good manager. I Why? just think he's just two names put together, Graham and Jones, and he's a face. But that and, is the football thing again of saying, like, I know what the facts are, but I want the outcome to be different, so I'm going to believe that. I know the facts of well, his no, managerial because... record are terrible, but, but I want him no, to be no, a no. better manager. So I'm going to go for that. It's madness. You don't know all the facts of his managerial record. Well, you can say that about anyone, but the main facts you can go by is results, surely. 
well, that's just the top line. Like, you, right. you can't, you can't know. Well, right. yeah. Before we've gone we're through his XG in forensic detail, I just think it, it is bizarre of fans wanting Graham Jones to see us through when you look... I don't know if that is... There's, I don't know if there's a huge clamour for that. I think there's a huge clamour to get... To I think, get go, go on Twitter and have a look. There definitely okay, is. Yeah. I think there is a huge clamour clamor to get rid of Steve Bruce and there is a sense that whoever you replace him with, as long as they're a qualified footballing professional, is better than is automatically better than Bruce. I don't believe with that case. Yeah. I just, I mean, we're just all dancing on the head of a pin here. I don't fucking know. But, like, my whole point is that Graham Jones is this giant fucking... Wicker man. <laughs> any of our assistant coaches and they'd be interchangeable. And you're like, they might, we might get lucky and they could get results. They might not. We've no evidence to suggest they will. We've just got blind hope. I'd rather a decent manager. Right. Well, yeah, we all rather a decent manager. Well, we got Mike Ashley. So. That's not an option. I know. Um, so, uh, right, I guess we'll leave it there. I love, I love the fact that it ended in just uh, we've we've fallen into this little groove now, where as soon as Graham Jones comes up, it's a fifteen minute conversation. I love it. <laughs> Graham, Graham Jones is just is. Oh, I want to find the words for it. It's like so poetic. It's like he's he only he's you know he's um. It's it's the end of Blackadder goes forth when they all go over the top. We don't know what's gonna. No, it's not that, is it? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like in Jurassic Park where they see the dinosaur in the wing mirror, right? But it's like I think he's more slang the shape that everyone can project their hopes or fears onto, and he tells, exactly. he says a lot more about the viewer than he does about himself. I think that's true because you think he's dog shit, and I don't have any proof. <laughs> I think it's, 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 I, I sort of just want to stay here and have the same conversation again and again because it is amazing this whole Graham Jones thing. But uh, yeah, okay, we'll leave it there. I'm sorry. But it's not, like, just the final thing on Graham Jones is actually <laughs> yes, more, more Graham Jones. Let's have it. The general gist of the conversation is. I don't know who the fuck he is, but I want him in charge of my Premier League football club to help us survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want us to sack Steve Bruce and get Graham Jones. I don't want that. To ha- I want us to sack Steve Bruce, but I bring in a manager. Graham Jones is just putting a blindfold on. And, yeah. putting, and asking me to put a hand in a bowl and like feel what's inside. I don't know what it's going to be. It might be a. It might be a Freddo. Would you rather Graham Jones or Shola? What? Would you rather Graham Jones or Shola in terms of people that are still at the club? Um, I would rather Graham Jones. Yeah, because I know that. He has at least but part coached. of you surely wants to roll the dice on Shola Amiobi manager. 
I my theory genuinely here we are we were so nearly out <laughs> I want to go to bed this no. podcast was going to be over ages ago Just my the theory always that we're doing for 24 hours I mean this this uh, statement might bring about enough ridicule to give us another 40 minutes of this podcast but my thought theory always about Shola Amiobi was one of the reasons he could never quite uh, finish as often as you would like as a striker was because he was a little bit too intelligent. And what I mean by that is, like, he had an IQ of, like, 100. <laughs> but I mean that he, he had too much going on in his head when he was one-on-one with the keeper. Maybe he can use some of the stuff that's going on in his head to work out what to do with this fucking football club. Uh, yeah. No. No. Okay. No. Fair enough. All right. We'll leave it there. Would you if you would you sack great would you hate Steve Bruce, Dave? Would yeah. you sack Steve Bruce? Let me go to sleep. If you knew that Shola was going to be a manager, would you sack him? If you knew yeah. Shola was taking over? Would, would, would I sack Steve Bruce if it meant I could end this call? Yes. No. Would you uh, sack Steve Bruce if it, meant, if it meant Shola was manager tomorrow? Would you no. No. What about Tommy Amio? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not Shola Ramar. No. <laughs> what about... Kevin what, about, what about Peter B. Green? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, I would. Yes. Right. Yes, I would. What about... <laughs> what about Catherine Delay? <laughs> She's dead. Yeah. But anything would be better than Steve Bruce? Anything would be better? <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll leave, we'll leave it there. Please let me go to sleep. I want to thank everyone for everyone who's taken part in this podcast for getting through it. Uh, I, want, I want to thank everyone who's managed to get to the end of this fucking Play podcast. Play them off. Play them off. <laughs> thank you. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.